Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, reads this way. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. I like how he gave a time there, don't you? But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and, your young, and our old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, and blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I will say that again. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. I'm going to say that again. Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. But therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore now know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you have crucified. Now when they heard this, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, every one whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let's pray. Father, I personally do not want to live a life that is without purpose and direction. And Father, I personally do not want to set that direction myself, but I want my direction to be set by You and Your Word. Father, I pray personally that You would guide and direct me. Father, I pray corporately that You would guide and direct our church. Not by the whims of culture, not by the whims of man, not by the whims of entertainment and, and uh, the celebration of the world, but by the direction of the Holy Spirit, led accordingly to your, from your word, led by your word, that we might honor Christ and give him all the glory. Father, I pray that we would be intentional. I pray that we would be focused. And I pray that we would do it together. Father, I pray that you would gift us with a spirit of worship. I pray that you would give us uh, a, a priority of service. And Father, I pray that you would grow our faith in such a way that we would share the story of Christ through evangelism. And Father, I pray that you would do that now. Father, I pray that you would revive in us a spirit uh, that is committed and eager to share the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, in such a way that people would come to know Christ, much like they came to know Christ as Peter spoke. Father, I pray that You would save people. Father, I pray that You would build Your church. Father, I pray that You would grow us in faith. Be with me this morning as I share this brief word, and I pray that it honors you. We love you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning's message is entitled, The Complete Disciple. The Complete Disciple. Um, when I went to college, uh, I uh, had several different colleges to choose from, and I ended up narrowing it down to a, a few here in Kentucky and one out of state, and I ended up going uh, to Center College, just right down the road. And as you all know, Center College is a liberal arts school, and we will emphasize the word liberal there. <laughs> um, but uh, it is a liberal arts school. And one of the uh, fan, and I loved my time there, the four years I had there, and uh, glad I didn't have to make it five. <laughs> but um, I enjoyed my time there. I loved it. And one of the things that they touted, and many of the liberal arts schools tout, is that they are interested in making a well rounded individual a well-rounded individual. And so more often than not at a liberal arts school, you're going to get exposed to many different disciplines and many different trains of thoughts. So you'll know what's out there. Uh, so you'll know what's out in the world. So you'll, have, uh, you'll be a more well-rounded 
uh, individual as you go off into the workplace. Now, I will tell you this, that I've been to many different institutions and seen there's a lot of well-rounded people. You don't necessarily have to go to a liberal arts school to get that done. Uh, but the reason I'm bringing that up is that we want to be well-rounded disciples. We want to be well-rounded disciples. Now, what in the world does that mean? And that's why I call this a, the complete disciple. What I've seen in my own life, what I've seen in my own life is that, that I am gifted in particular ways, and I have particular strengths, and I like to capitalize on those strengths, uh, but, and which is a good thing. That's a positive thing. We should capitalize on our strengths and on our giftedness. And there are certain gifts and strengths that the Lord gives us. We see this through uh, the letters to, uh, to Corinth from Paul, that everybody's getting, given certain gifts and talents and, and an eagerness and a desire to serve in different areas and to, and to participate in the Christian life in particular areas. But I noticed in my own life that sometimes I will, I will chase after those gifts and strengthen those, those uh, gifts in a way that is detrimental to these other areas that are equally important to the Christian life, that are equally important. And so I will give all of my energy and all my time to this area of the Christian life, but I will neglect this area of the Christian life because I may not, I'm, I may not have the giftedness in that area or I may not be as passionate about the area. I'll, I'll give a very uh, 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 clear example to this, is that I love Education. I love to teach. I love to develop lesson plans and create. It's it's weird. I married a teacher. It worked out. You know. Um, I mean, we're on a two and a half mile two and a half mile walk, and what are we talking about? Teaching. We're figuring how can we manipulate Google Meet a little bit more to make it more educational, right? We're nerds, and it's all right. Okay. And so that's. I mean, that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I love to do. But there are other areas in my in in the Christian life that are equally as important that I don't chase after as much. I don't focus on as much. And so there I feel a bit incomplete. Folks, I desire for myself and for you all to be complete disciples. And what I mean is to be well-rounded, to be focused on all of these areas. Now, you may give the majority of your time to this area because that's what you're passionate about. That's what the Lord has gifted you with. That sort of thing. That's what he's placed in front of you, but not to the detriment of these other areas. So you may say, I love, love, love to study the Bible. I love to learn. I love to teach. I love to do all those sorts of things. I'm not big on missions. I'm not big on getting my hands dirty. I'm not big on service. Service is a critical component to the Christian life. It's critical. Or you may say, I love service. I love going to, if, if somebody in the church needs me, call me. I will be there to help you out. And that is a blessing. And we need people like you. But we need people like you also to evangelize, to share the gospel. And this is a bad one. And I don't see this as often. But you'll have some individuals that love to share the gospel. They love to talk about Jesus. But they don't study. And so they don't know a whole lot about Jesus, right? We want to be well-rounded, complete disciples. And so this morning, briefly, what we're going to do is I'm going to kind of, I want to kind of set the stage for the next six months to two years to 20 years, you know, something like that. Not real end, I'm not sure about the end point here. But what the aim is this, I want us to refocus what we're doing and I want us to not be distracted. 
I want us to not get distracted by a lot of other stuff. I want us to keep the main thing, the main thing, and we partner with that. Uh, with uh, we partner together in that as we pursue Christ. And so last week, if you remember, I ended the message on evangelism by raising three points that I wanted us to, and I wanted the Lord to help us cultivate a spirit of worship. I wanted Him to help us prioritize hearts of service, and I wanted, us, I wanted Him to help us grow in faithful evangelism. Those are the three areas that I want us to focus on over the next six months to forever, okay? That's what we're going to look into, and I'm going to ask you to team up together to do that, and I'm using this sermon sort of as a launch pad. Now, you might be saying, weren't we in Hebrews? Yes, we were in Hebrews. We're going to get back into Hebrews next week. We're going to be back in Hebrews, back in the sermon series next week. But you're going to see some changes. You're going to see some additions uh, to what we're doing. You're going to see more online uh, opportunities for us to learn and grow together and meet together. Last week, we had a Google Meet uh, for our first Wednesday night Google Meet. And I don't know about you all, but I had a blast. I thought it was so much fun seeing you all in this like little Brady Bunch thing. I saw you all popping up and then Amy Ellis, her dog jumps in there. I'm like, great, baptizing, we're ready. All right. I mean, it was just really, really cool to see everybody hop in there and join together. And we're going to do more of that because I don't think that we need less Bible. I think we need more Bible. I don't think that we need less fellowship. I think we need more fellowship. And I'm not interested in necessarily adding another day that we meet together here this is vital, this is crucial, this is God-ordained, but I think it's that we can also meet together virtually in these aspects as well. Let's capitalize on what God has gifted us with. Now, let's get to this message here this morning. Why I bring up Acts is because the Acts of the Apostles, all right, or the book of Acts, is really the testimony of Luke to his readers of what the apostles did following the gift of the Holy Spirit. Like, what did the apostles do? What did the disciples of Jesus do after He left, sent the Holy Spirit? How did they follow Christ's commands given in the Great Commission? What did they do? And so if we read through the book of Acts, we really see a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be a disciple. And not just a disciple, but a complete disciple. We see what it looks like when these disciples gave themselves over to studying the Word of God. We see what it looks like when they gave themselves over to service and member care. We see what it looks like when they gave themselves over to sharing the Word of God. We see what it, what it looks like when they gave themselves over to worship and spiritual disciplines. And that's what I want us to look at over the course of the next uh, several months is I want us to strengthen in those areas. Let me put the, make this point. If you are a member, all right, or a regular attender of this congregation, I want you, I don't want you to feel left out. I want you to feel like when somebody asks you, how are you involved at Gospel Life Community? I don't want your answer to simply be, well, I, you know, I, I, I come on Sunday mornings and I, you know, we join together on Wednesday nights. That's great. We're thankful for that. But I want you to be more involved in the church, more involved in the direction of the church and where we're going. So you have the heartbeat of the church so that you can commit yourself to Christ more fully. And so there are three ways that I intend for us to do that. The first is cultivating a spirit of worship. And I pull this from Acts chapter 2, 
verses 42 through 47. And Luke writes here, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so in the book of Acts, one of the first things that we see as far as a complete disciple is that they had hearts of worship. Now, I don't want to confuse worship here. All right. I don't just mean the vocal uh, praise of God, the singing. All right, folks, a worship service is not just singing. The worship service is singing. It is reading scripture. It is praying. It is meditating. It may even be fellowship. It's all of these things. That is worship. And we see that played out right here. One of the very first things that we see, as it says here that 3,000 were added to their number, the first thing we see Luke uh, tell us is that they gathered together daily and they worshiped together. Worshiped together. They committed their lives to worship. I would like for us as a church to recommit ourselves to worship. And I'm going to add on another phrase here, spiritual disciplines. And I've asked uh, Christy Allen to help me with this, to, to help us with this as we try to develop our the body of Christ in this area, that I want us to focus on worship and spiritual disciplines. Now, what do I mean by spiritual disciplines? Well, I mean this. First of all, scripture reading and study. Scripture reading and study. Let me say it this way. If the only Bible that you get is when I'm reading it, or David's reading it, or Christy's reading it on a Sunday morning, folks, that you are starving yourselves. You're starving yourselves of God's Word. Christ did not give His life for a people who would neglect the Word of Christ. He gave us, he gave his life for a people that would commit their whole life, their complete life to the word of God, to the studying of God's word, to this, to, to all of that, committing it and committing it to memory, committing it to our hearts. So it's scripture and scripture reading and study. Another spiritual discipline, prayer, that we recommit ourselves to prayer, that we carve out time every day to prayer. For those of you who get my devotionals, um, periodically throughout the week, you know that I wrote one about my wife. And I don't want to embarrass her here, uh, but I, I just want to commend her is that she is one of the most faithful prayer warriors I've ever met. So much more faithful than I am is that she carves out time every day to pray. And she's got, it, uh, she's got a system. She's got a system, folks. She prays for me, thank God. She prays for our kids. She prays for the people that our kids are going to marry. She prays ahead of time for that, for that young lady 
or young, the young ladies that Jackson and Lucas are going to marry. I mean, and they, those ladies need prayer, let me tell you. All right? I mean, they're marrying my kids. So, I mean, you get the idea. I mean, she's praying ahead of time. She prays for you all. She prays for her mother and father. She prays for the entire family. She prays for the church. And she just commits herself to that. Now, I use that as an example that it would behoove us to carve out time in our day to communicate to the Lord of the universe, right? So second spiritual discipline. The third one is praise. Praise. And this I do mean singing, right? Now you may say, I can't sing. Yes, you can. You may not sing well. And it, it, you don't have to sing loudly. Some of us would thank you for that. All right? But praise is an important part of the Christian life. Praise is an important part of the Christian life. Corporately and privately. Corporately and privately. D, and I'm going to throw this in here because I think it's important. And by the way, if you can't tell, uh, we, uh, myself included, uh, but especially the United States, we neglect this one a lot. Fasting. <laughs> fasting? What's fasting? I'd like to see us develop a habit of fasting occasionally. And then the fifth one, stewardship. That we would be better stewards, not just of the finances that God gives us, but also of our time, also of our gifts, so that we would be good stewards of everything that the Lord gives us, that we would be well-rounded and complete disciples. So I'm praying, my prayer is that the Lord would help us cultivate a spirit of worship and of spiritual disciplines. And I want us to all be involved with that together. The second one is this, prioritizing hearts of service. And this uh, is pulled from Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. Uh, Luke writes here, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and said, and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Bar Barnabas, sorry, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, folks, I'm not calling us, all right, to be socialists. I'm not calling us for... Con That's not what I'm talking about here. This was a different time period. Service and member care may look differently to us now than it did then. The idea is this, is that all the disciples, all the apostles gave themselves over wholeheartedly to caring and serving one another without reservation. And that's what they did. And it's vitally important to the Christian life. I want us to, I want to see us to be, see us see how we, as a corporate body of Christ, can have a more vibrant relationship with service and member care. There should not be one individual, especially in our congregation, that goes without. They should not. All right? We should be there to love and to care and to serve them in any way. It may be a physically, physical means. It may be an emotional needs. Whatever. We need to pour ourselves out towards this. Now, there may be some of you that are just gifted in this, that are just gifted with a heart of service. And we need you to help the rest of us. We need you to pull us along 
to drag us along with that and to help us see the beauty of service and member care. It's vital for the Christian life. We can also see it in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, and a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Now, the reason I read this is for two reasons. Number one, you can see that service and member care is not just for the pastor of the church. It is not. In fact, you see the exact opposite. The reason they are calling out these servants from the church is because the pastors and the elders of the church have got to take time, spend time studying the Word for the edification of God's people to the delivery of the Word, to the teaching of God's Word, and to prayer. Let me, let me say this. It is not saying, Luke is not saying, and the apostles are not saying, that service is beneath the elders. What they're saying is this. If all of the onus of service and member care is on the elders, the church will starve because the preaching and teaching of God's Word will not be as edifying as it possibly could. You do not want your pastor being the only person providing service and member care to the congregation. The church will suffer. The pastor is not an employee of the church. Yes, by the federal government, yeah. We're not the federal government. The pastor is a member, is a member of the church, a participant in the church, and they shepherd. And the primary way the pastor and the elders shepherd is by studying the Word and then edifying the church through the teaching of the Word. And then the people of God in that congregation help take the member care and the service off of that individual's plate so that they can dedicate that time. That doesn't mean they never serve or never care for members. What it means, though, is that you all are participants too. I will say one thing about uh, this whole quarantine and everything. I saw many of these uh, passages or these quotes on uh, Facebook, and so I'm not going to quote one in, in particular. And I'd never shared one because I never wanted anybody to think that I felt neglected because I didn't. I felt loved this entire time. But some of my favorite paraphrase, paraphrase quotes are this, is something to this extent. Many of you all are griping and whining that the pastor didn't call you enough over the quarantine. How many of you called the pastor? Now, I didn't share that because I didn't feel that way <laughs> at all. But you get the idea. You get the idea here. It's not just up to the pastor. It's to the body of Christ to make sure that the members are cared for, that the members are loved. The pastor sets the tone, but then the members follow suit. And remember that your pastors, your elders, are members too. <laughs> they struggle as well. 
And by the way, I do want to thank the church for many of you uh, who reached out during that time and we communicated. I, I, and so, like I said, I never felt neglected. But I do know that there are some pastors that really struggled during this time, really struggled. There was one very prominent pastor that took his own life over the course of this uh, period of time. Now, I don't know if it had any relationship with this uh, situation. We know that he struggled beforehand, uh, but this time of quarantine could not have been easy. And so we want to prioritize service and member care. And finally, we want to grow in faithful evangelism. So if we look over to chapter 9, all right, starting in verse 19b, it says here, it says, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And, he, and has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded with the Jews whom, who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. They're all looking at Paul and saying, isn't this the guy who was killing Christians? Now he's proclaiming Christ and promoting this Christian theology, if you will. And they're dumbfounded. We're, we thought this might be some sort of ploy, but no, we're just dumbfounded because he keeps preaching Christ. Now, Paul was a very unlikely candidate to lead the charge, yet he was selected. Now, the reason I pulled this out is that we see that this is a third critical point of the complete disciple, that we worship, we praise, we pray, we meditate, we fast, we do all of those things. We serve, we care for one another, but then we don't neglect evangelism. It is a real shame that so many individuals will give the, that love Jesus will give their whole heart, their whole heart to studying the Word of God and learning the Word of God, but they'll never share the Word of God. Like, who are you keeping it for? Right? Or they will study the Word of God and read the Word of God, and they will love and care and serve and give their whole life to someone who is in need, that they might not be in need, but then they will never share the love of Christ verbally. Verbally, folks. All right? Folks, those actions are vital. Actions are vital. James tells us that. But if you don't speak the gospel, people are not going to hear the gospel. They may just think you're being a really good moral person. There's a lot of people in our world and our culture who do a lot of, of good for society that has nothing to do with the love of Christ. It is important that we, that we segregate ourselves from that climate, all right, from that cultural concept, that people know that when we love and when we serve and when we give ourselves over, it is not because we are being moral people. We are being Christ-like people. And that's the difference between the social gospel and the true gospel. And the other reason I bring that passage up is this, is that Paul was an unlikely candidate. You yourself may think that you are an unlikely candidate for sharing the gospel. You say, I'm not comfortable in front of people. We didn't say you had to stand on a stage. In fact, the best evangelism happens one-on-one. -on -one. You may say, well, I just don't, I, I don't know all the great theology and all, that, all this kind of stuff. No one said you had to be a theologian to share Jesus. You may say, well, I, just, I, I don't know enough about the Bible. Then go back to step number one. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. 
Go to Bible studies, fellowship with one another, with others who know the Bible more so that you might grow in faithfulness, you might be edified by God's word so then you can share God's word and share the gospel that they might grow in Christ. These are the three components that I want us to focus on. Cultivating a spirit of worship and spiritual disciplines, prioritizing hearts of service and member care, and growing in faithful evangelism and outreach. And I would even throw missions in there. Now, as I close, how do we do this and how do we do it well? Well, this is one of the reasons why I love the name of our Wednesday nights. Gospel Life Pursuit. We called our, our church Gospel Life because we wanted to make it very clear that the gospel was center, central to what we do, and it is about our life. The gospel is central to our life, all right? And not just that, but it is a pursuit. We are pursuing Christ. And so on Wednesday nights when we study God's Word, that is about pursuit. We are pursuing Christ. And so how are we going to pursue Christ here at Gospel Life? We're going to do it in three ways. Number one, we're going to be intentioned about it. Everything we do is intentional, all right? Nothing that we do is haphazard. So as the body of Christ, we are going to set the stage on what we're going to do. We're going to aim for that, and we're going to go after that. It's going to be directed by God's Word, led by the Holy Spirit, and we are going to be intentional about every ministry that we do. We're not going to do stuff at this church just because it is popular. Popularity should not dictate what a church does for the sake of Christ. The Word of God should dictate what we do. There are many wonderful activities that churches do. They go on trips. They have all these different things and activities. Folks, we are entertained out in churches. If you all want to go on trips together, go for it. I encourage you. Go to Gatlinburg together. Go out west together. I, I don't Go to McDonald's together. Go do church fellowship activities all right? You don't need me or David or Christy or anybody organizing those trips. What you need us to do is to be intentioned about the direction of the church when it comes to ministry. So let's be intentional about everything we do. The second thing is focused. Focused. When it comes to these concepts, service and evangelism, it is really easy for us to come up with five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different ideas of ways that we're going to do that. And here's what we do. We take 10 really good ideas and we do them poorly to mediocre. Here's my suggestion. Be intentional. Pick one great idea and do it to the best of your ability for the cause of Christ. And when you got that one down, maybe you go to a second one. It does us no good if we do 10 things poorly. Let's do one thing really, really well for the Lord. Let's stop chasing other churches that may have million-dollar budgets. That's not where God has planted us right now. Let's focus on what God has given us at this moment and do it really, really well. And finally, let's do it together. Let's do it together. Let's not leave anybody on the outside looking in. If you see somebody who's a part of this church, but they're not engaged, they're not involved, don't wait for them to ask you. They may not do it. That may not be their past. That may not be their history. That may not be how they were raised. They might be introverts. They may not be somebody who eagerly steps forward. Don't leave them out. Go grab them. Drag them in by their feet if you have to. Let's do it together. 
You hear the whole cliche about how 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And it's a cliche and a stereotype because oftentimes it's true. Well, let's erase that stereotype. Let's do this together as the body of Christ. It's not just the hands and feet. It's the hands and feet and the ears and the eyes and the nose and every other part. The tuchus. I've never used tuchus in a sermon. I wanted to do that. All right. So you get the idea. Everybody together as we move forward and we pursue Christ with eagerness and focus and intentionality. Can we do that? Christ gave his life for the body of Christ. He died. He was buried. He was raised three days later. But he gave his life for a body of Christ who would not become spectators to the church and the world around them, but they would be actively involved in the ministry of the gospel to the lost. And that's what I want us to do. That's what I want us to do. Let's give our lives to that. Now, next week, we're going to gather back together and we're going to start together in Rome or in Hebrews. We're not in Romans yet. We're going to start back in Hebrews. We're going to have a great time in that. But over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about these aspects. And you may get a phone call from me. or You may get a phone call from Christy or David or somebody and say, hey, we need you. We need you. And you may say, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Here's the thing. Just say yes. Just say yes. Just say yes. And you may be surprised at how the Lord blesses you.